Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. So Numbers chapter 13, one of my favorite uh, sections of scripture in all of the Bible, um, in some ways because I can identify with the bad portion of it. This is where you get to see real people in real situations in a real Bible, real words, uh, real authors talking about what happened. Uh, for some of us, we're going to be encouraged, not because we're the Joshua and Caleb of the story, but we're the other 10. And we need to realize and understand that and flip the script very quickly. Um, and so I want to go to Numbers chapter 13. And... Uh, before we read it, uh, how many of you guys over the summer have let your grass so, grow so long that when you step into it, like grasshoppers fly up? Anybody know that? You know your grass is too long uh, when you step into it and like 17 grasshoppers jump up in the air and start flying around. Anybody know it? I'm the only one who slacked on the grass. Okay, thank you very much. It was a busy summer. Um, and uh, and we, I had this one time where it, like just a month ago or so, and the grass in the backyard, I always let the grass in the backyard grow a little longer. Because the front yard is what people see, right? And so I let the grass yard. My kids don't play in the, the backyard. If they played in the backyard, I'd care more. But they don't care about the huge backyard that we have. They only want to play in the front and the cul-de-sac. And, uh, and so I remember walking back there and just kicking the grass. And they just flew up everywhere like they're scared of me. Like they're worried about this person walking into the grass. And then I, I thought about, do you, do you remember, I don't know, some of you guys might be too young. I'm not sure. Uh, the movie Honey, I Shrunk the Kids right? That's a, that's a great movie. I think I went to Disneyland once and sat in the 3D version of that, and they had like ants running under rear, your rear end and stuff. It was like 4D, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and uh, I remember that movie, and I remember them being as small as or like kind of a little bit smaller than the grasshoppers, and then the dad was coming out almost stepping on them, and they had to take off running. I hope I'm not ruining the movie. It's really suspenseful. And, uh, and, and, and all these things that are happening, that all these things that seem bigger uh, than they ever had seemed uh, because they were in the middle of this scenario, and the dad had actually, in fact, it wasn't his fault, right? Wasn't it like they, they, they did it on accident, right? They were somewhere, I mean, usually it's the kid's fault, right? They're somewhere they're not supposed to be. I mean, I remember him saying, don't go in there, and he, they did anyway, so blame the kids. And, um, and so th this, this grasshopper thing, and this is what comes up when I think of this Numbers 13. When I think of this section of Scripture, I think of this, and I'll show you why in just a moment. Um, but it's, it's, to me... This idea of the grasshopper and feeling like you're a grasshopper, what we're going to talk about here in the next few minutes is probably in the, my top three when it comes to why people don't pursue the things God has put in front of them. It, it, it's not maybe number one, probably depends on the day, but it's, it's probably in my top three as to why you and I don't always run into the purpose or the promise that God has put in front of you to go after so number 13, we're going to read this, and I want you the whole time to be thinking about, honey, I shrunk the kids, and then maybe it's later today, before the Cowboys game at 7.30 tonight, um, you can watch it. I don't know if it's on Netflix or not. Numbers 13, verse 16, these were the names of the men Moses sent to scout out the land, and Moses renamed Oshea, son of Nun, to Joshua. Verse 17, when Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, he told them, Go up this way to Negev, then go up into the hill country, see what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Um, any other questions, Moses? Be courageous, bring back some fruit. I think that's a funny pairing. 
Be courageous with the fruit, young men, from the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So Moses gets these guys together, gets 12 uh, of their best men and says, hey, I want you to go spy out the land. I want you to go check out what we're about to go into, right? The Lord had told Moses, hey, you will inhabit the land where your feet step. You will take this land. I have promised it to you. It is yours. When you get there, you just got to walk into it. This is your space. This is your place. You have to be courageous enough to go there. So Moses sends some men on to see what it was like. Now, I want you to notice one question he did not ask. He asked about the grapes. He asked about the harvest. He asked if there were trees or not. He asked whether or not uh, it was fortifications. He asked all these questions. What he did not ask and what he did not require of them was their decision or their uh, awareness of whether or not this was going to be possible. He did not ask for their opinion on, hey, when you get back, please let us know if you think we can do it. He did not ask them to come back with some opinion on, oh, it's, it's this, but we probably can't try it today. How many of us tend to spend our lives investigating the purposes of God, but often making declarations about the possibilities of it? We, we, tend to, we tend to go and look, and sometimes it's better that we just don't go spy it out. Sometimes it's probably just better that we don't go look at how awesome it is, because it seems to be that that often just intimidates us more. Like, how great would this be? And then we begin to look at all the things that could happen and all the things that might happen. And so they go. And they went up and scouted out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as uh, Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. Okay, they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman and Shishai and Talmi and the descendants of Anak were living. Y'all don't know if it was right or not, so just be quiet. Hebron was built seven years before. Anybody want to guess on this one? Zone. Okay, I would have said Zoan. In Egypt, when they came to... Oh, y'all don't want to help. See, yeah, yeah, it's easy. To, yeah, uh-huh. Eskal, there we go. We'll just go with that valley. They cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, which was carried on a pole by two men, which, what, based on what I'm reading there, it seems like it's a big one. They also took some pomegranates and figs. That place, the Eskal Valley, because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from scouting out the land. The, uh, the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. you got to imagine after verse 27, uh, Moses is a little bit excited. It is what God said it was. It is exactly what he said it would be. It is right there in front of us. We can go and take it, and it will be the land that he promised to us. And in verse 28, however, the people living in it, the land that are strong and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Now, they haven't quite said it's not possible. They just use the word however. Or maybe you would use it like, man, God, this is awesome. I'm excited about what you're putting in my heart. But have you heard about this and this? And th you're not quite saying it's not going to happen. You're just kind of adding to the probability that it won't so that if it doesn't, maybe you feel justified in the fact that it didn't. 
Maybe you begin to go, ah, maybe, ah. Okay, but there were problems. I said at the beginning, there were problems, God. I know it was a good promise, but we, I told you ahead of time, those Anak guys, those guys were big. Then Caleb, one of the ten, quieted the people in the presence of Moses. Why did he have to quiet the people? For the same reason that Thomas told me to watch uh, The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Because bad news travels or fake news travels seven times faster than true news. Right? This stuff travels fast. When you put something out there, it just goes. And, and, and you, you see, man, this thing got retweeted 10,000 times before there was a correction issued. And the correction didn't get it. Man, that only got 200 retweets. Right? Like, it's, it, this thing travels fast and rarely ever comes back home. It, it, just, it just goes. And so Caleb had to go, hey, y'all, chill out for a second. Calm down. Quiet down for a moment. And he says this, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. He sees what's coming. He sees what's happening. He sees that these people are hedging their bets and saying, well, it might not be possible. And so Caleb is trying to shut it down quickly. Anybody got friends like that? You need some friends like that. Someone comes to you and goes, I'm not sure this is possible. Hey, let's go do it now. But these people never quit at quitting. So verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So here we go. It wasn't just that there were other people. Now they're beginning to define what they really meant when they began to mention the other scenarios and situations and problems that they might face. We can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave. They gave a positive report with some addendums. And then they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. Remember what they had just said? This is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's everything God said it would be. And then within a few minutes, it goes from that to the land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. I mean, can you imagine going from milk and honey, yes, let's go, to this thing devours you when you walk in it. Some of you aren't smiling or laughing because you are that person. I know when I read this, I don't identify with Caleb. I identify with the other ten who are seemingly going, this is awesome and it's terrible all at the same time. That's why we don't necessarily always move backwards in our purpose. We sometimes just sit in the same place. It's not that we don't believe in what it is. We just, we just also think it's challenging. We just also think it's hard. It doesn't scare us away, but it definitely keeps us from moving forward. Verse 33, we even saw uh, the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. Uh, to ourselves, we seemed like this is, the, this, is, this is everything. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. Honey, I shrunk the kids. And we must have seemed the same to them. I don't know if these guys walked into the city and took a survey. I don't know if they were sitting at the door of the mall with the clipboard saying, hey, could, you, could I just get five minutes of your time to answer three questions? You know, do you like the space? Do you like the place? Do you like, is it good, got good grapes? You know, they told me to be the courageous with the fruit. I'm just wondering if, like, you guys feel good about that. And also, do we look small to you? Like, was there some kind of, like, you can text this number and answer these questions, and we'll send you a $5 discount when we take your land. Like, what, like what, what is the, the thing here? Somehow, some way, they had decided that they were smaller. 
somehow, someway, they had decided not only that they felt like grasshoppers, but the people in the land must have also seen them that way also. Amplified translation says there, there were the Nephilim, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And so we were in their sight. In other words, this wasn't about whether or not the, the, the people in the land actually saw them as grasshoppers. It was about the fact that they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and no matter what they did after that, the people were going to see them that way. The, the, the people were going to see them as they saw themselves. The, the issue rarely with our purpose is the problem we're facing. It's the person we believe we are. It is not the problem we see, but the person we see when we look in the mirror every day. When we, when we wake up and we, we have a promise that God's put in front of us, but we, we get up and then we look in the mirror or we look at our social media or we look at our Instagram we, and we, we wonder why is this generation dealing with, social, dealing with anxiety and depression at a rate that we've never seen before. It's because we've taught them to compare themselves. We, we have become like grasshoppers in our own sight, and it doesn't even matter if they actually think we're grasshoppers. We believe that they think we are. Our identity often will come from what we identify. What we, what we identify as the thing that defines us will become our identity. So when we look at other people and we go, well, they are this and this and this, and in their sight, in sight of them, I have become smaller. I have become of less value. I don't actually matter as much because I haven't arrived here or been able to do this or been able to have that or, or somehow I'm not because they are. And again, that goes back to the Genesis version of the gospel. Do we believe in a scarcity gospel or do we believe in an abundant one? No, that is not prosperity. It just simply means that when I, when I read the gospel account, when I, sorry, when I read the Genesis account of creation, there were more than enough trees to go around. God never seemed to be too concerned with whether or not there would be enough food for people to eat. It was always going to be a whether or not people were generous enough to give it, generous enough to help each other out, generous enough and, and willing enough to take a fruit down, eat some, give some, and whatever. We, God was always going to have enough. We don't live in a scarcity mindset. We live in an abundant mindset where God is the one who can give. And this is, what, this is where we end up in most of our lives, most of the challenges, most of the things we face. When we walk into our life, when we walk into the purposes that God has for us, when we decide to lean into what he desires for us, we either get to magnify the giants in the land or we get to magnify God. It, that is the choice. At almost every stage of the calling God's put on you and the calling God has put on C3 Fort Worth is whether or not we will magnify the giants or whether or not we will magnify the God who's called us there. It will always be the decision. Your identity will never be born of yourself. Your identity will always be born of what you identify as your source. What is going to make you? What is going to shape you? What is going to be the meaning for your life? Will you identify with God or will you identify with the giants? Will you look at the problem or will you look at the provider? Will you look at the difficulties and challenges you might walk through or will you look at the one who's called you to walk through them? That's why Jesus, when he says to his disciples, go into all the world, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. I will not make you do this by yourself, on your own, with no support. That is not the goal. That's not the desire. Do you and I look at ourselves as grasshoppers so when somebody steps in the grass, we all scatter? Can the church be a church that no matter what happens, no matter what comes, no matter what is 
stepping into the places that we believe we are meant to reside, who are we going to be in those moments? Are we going to be the honey, I shrunk the kid people? Or are we going to be the people who, who realize that even in our weakness, his strength is made perfect? Are we going to be the people who actually believe what Paul wrote when he said all things are possible for those who trust in the Lord? Are we going to be the people who look at a building that needs to be scraped and painted and go, I think I can see it? Are we going to look at it and go, oh, I don't know? Do you have a purpose in your heart that you continue to just be paralyzed in, not because you don't believe it's a promise, but you're worried about the people that reside in it already? I wanted to read the next part and, and, and go into the next chapter uh, of Numbers chapter 14. I asked for it this morning, so I don't even have it in my notes. So if you go to Numbers 14, do you have that? There we go. Uh, then the whole community broke into loud cries, and the people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, and the whole community told them, if only, oh my gosh, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only you had just not rescued us from slavery. If only you had, now I gotta, I gotta be honest, these people had every right to be a little worried about what was gonna happen. They had spent hundreds of years in slavery, and then they were set free for maybe a few decades, and then all of a sudden they're being called into a promise that they were going to have to fight battles to achieve. Whether or not we want to, there are some parallels to be drawn here to what we might be dealing with in our culture at the moment. There, there is some reason for these Israelites to go, wait, are we sure this is going to work out? Because you remember. And God's saying, no, there is something for you if you would come together and quit letting the bad news travel faster than the good news. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, can you imagine believing that where you were is better than where you could be? We have a lot of people in the earth right now. This is not condemning. This is to, to bring some awareness in our own hearts. There are a lot of people right now. There are people in this room who don't even feel like they can bring it up. People who feel like that is what they confess every day. If only it had just ended before. If only I had just shut it down back then. If only I had given up when I, when I could have given up. Let's keep reading. Next verse. There isn't a next verse? Oh, okay, okay. Why is the Lord, sorry, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? See, they've already, they've already established this is the truth. They're not debating it anymore. They're not going, okay, so they said it was good, and they also said some things were bad, so where should we reside? There will always be giants in the land. I just want to let you know that. There will always be giants in the promise God gave you. Always. I know that seems mean. It's true. There will always be giants to conquer in the lands God has called you to. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? He's not. He's not. So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. People, you already have a leader. You just don't want to listen to him. You already have one. This is why later on you ask for a king because all the other nations have one. Because you're comparing yourself to giants instead of God. You're looking at someone else to give you your identification. Then Moses and Aaron fell down with their faces to the ground in front of the whole assembly of the Israelite community. And then here we go, Joshua, son of Nun. He got his new name and became a new person. And Caleb, son of, you guys read that, who were among those who scouted out the land, tore their clothes. This is the deepest level of despair you could communicate. And said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good 
land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Remember, reminding them of what they'd already said. And he will give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. For we will devour them because the land will not devour you. We will devour the people in it. Their protection has been removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. If you will trust him, if he will be big enough in your life, the giants will never be bigger. If he is great enough in your life, nothing else will ever overtake you. Does that mean there won't be challenges? Of course not. That's not what Joshua's not saying. They've all left. They all ran away. They're gone. No one's there anymore. No, he's saying they're there, but they're not bigger than us. They're not bigger than what God's put in us, and they're not bigger than the God we serve. We can take the land that is good. So here's the thing, right? We oftentimes look at what's possessing the land instead of just saying the land is ours. Joshua looks at it and says, the Lord is with us. In many ways, this grasshopper thing can work in your favor. How do I know that? Because of what Abby read this morning. And Abby said that, hey, we, we have childlike faith. The faith that is like a child that looks at his father or his mother and says, oh, you can do it. The kind of faith that looks at an adult and looks at parents and says, oh, oh, you can pick that up. Oh, you can make that happen. Oh, hey, dad, you can buy me a horse. You, you can buy me a dirt. You can buy, you can do it all. You can, that kind of faith. Maybe we need to become less grasshoppers and more children. Maybe we need to, we need to still believe something's bigger. We just need to pick the right thing to believe that's bigger. We just need to pick the right thing to trust in, the right thing to believe in. And so as we start this journey of C3 Fort Worth and we go, man, I'm not sure this is possible. Man, I'm sure it's flowing with milk and honey, man. That building definitely has milk and honey in it. And there will be challenges. There will be giants in the land. There will be giants who come along. And there will be some of us who go, oh, but the land's going to devour us. No. Why are they bringing us here just so we can die? We're not. Why did God bring me into this place where I desired this, wanted this, believed in this? I wish I would have just died. And No, you don't. It may feel that way right now. You may feel that's the truth. It's not. Because the God you serve is bigger than the giants you fear. You identify, you get identity from the things you identify with. There's a purpose and there's a calling on your life, period. God didn't bring you there to make you feel bad about it. God didn't bring you there to make you feel dumb, to make you feel defeated, to make you feel like you can't make it, to make you feel like you should have left, to make you feel like you should have died back in the wilderness. No, he brought you there to remind you of how big he is. But you only really truly discover how big he is when you step into the fullness of the promise he's given you. Because it's in the fullness of the promise he's given you that you defeat the giants you thought you never could. That you take the land you never thought you would, and you realize the milk and honey actually is for you, and that you can walk in it. Amen? Come on, I hope you're encouraged this morning. I hope you're walking into the land knowing that there might be giants. Actually, there will be. But that does not mean that God brought you here to defeat you. We get to choose what we will magnify. And the reality is, if we do not magnify the Lord, we will always magnify the giants just simply based on our indifference.
just on our indifference, we will magnify the giants. Just because we haven't magnified God in three days, the giants will get bigger. And not because they're actually bigger, but because you and I have shrunk ourselves and shrunk our spirit. Because it is in our true revelation of who God is that we truly understand who we are. Amen? Come on. God is good. He did not bring us here to hurt us. He did not bring us here to defeat us. He brought us here so that we could do this thing together and we could walk this thing out. You living out your purpose on your street, on your avenue, on the boulevard you live on. Anybody live on a boulevard? On the, the lane that you live on. God has called you into it. God has called you into that place, not to be afraid of the giants, but to realize what is flowing with milk and honey was always meant to be for you. And if you would step into it, you will discover that God has never left you. Amen. Lord, I thank you for today. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts. I pray that we would leave this place encouraged, full of hope, full of life. God, I pray that those of us who believe or have lived lately or maybe for a while, believing that the giants think that we're grasshoppers, believe that the giants think that we look small, the reality is giants probably don't even know we're there. We've just made ourselves feel small all by ourselves. God, I pray that today we would magnify the God we serve. That we would, we would become bigger people, not of our own strength, but because we have serving a God that is bigger than we ever imagined. Lord, let our praise magnify the God we serve and shrink the giants we oppose. God, let us walk into the promise that you have for each individual person in this room and the promise you have for the body of Christ that is C3 Fort Worth. God, thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name.